morning, everyone. As you see, Christmas is in the air, and we at Riverside, we love Christmas. So I'd like just to highlight two upcoming events, like the guys have already done. We've got exciting events coming up. It's a great opportunity for you to invite friends and family to join us. The first one I'm going to highlight is the next Sunday carol services. Again, please do not miss out. Bring your friends and family. We have one at 4.30 and the second at 7 o'clock. It's going to be amazing. Such a wonderful environment, atmosphere, full of joy and beautiful songs. The second one, as you already know, Christmas lunch. How amazing is that that we can have lunch together as church family. So as the guy said, sign up because the places are limited. Recently, I came across a remarkable story in the news. It was a story of resilience, hope, and perseverance. A story of a rescue. A man was rescued after being trapped underground for two days in Wales. This man was an experienced caver, but he fell into one of the most complicated cave complexes, and it was one of the most deepest in the UK. About 250 people were involved in the rescue effort, and it took them more than 53 hours to rescue this man. Can you imagine the relief this man felt when he was saved? This man, when he fell into that dark, deep, and wet cave, he found himself in a powerless position. He had to rely completely on the mercy of other people, on the intervention of other people, so that he could see the light again. He needed a rescuer. He needed a savior. I was watching the news and one of the rescuers said in the interview, he's an experienced and fit caver, but it was a matter of putting his foot in the wrong place. It was a matter of putting his foot in the wrong place. That stuck with me. Does that sound familiar to you? Have you ever put your foot in the wrong place and found yourself in trouble? That's exactly what happened to that man. And when we look around, we see that. We see that in the nations, we see that in our towns. So much brokenness, so much loss, so much mess. Nature is longing to be saved. Our world is crying out to be saved. And every one of us have an area in our lives that needs saving. So this morning, we continue exploring the Advent journey to Jesus through the Christmas songs in the Bible. Last week we read about Mary, and this week we're going to read about Zechariah. I'm not quite sure whether I can portray a rapper Zechariah like David did so brilliantly. But Zechariah, he was actually a priest, and he worked at the temple. He was married to Elizabeth, and they were both godly people. However, they didn't have any children and they were already very, very old. So one day, Zechariah was serving at the temple, and the angel Gabriel showed up and told him he's going to have a son, and his son was going to be named John. He would turn people's hearts to God. Different from Mary, who responded in celebration, celebration and joy to the angel's news, 
Zechariah actually doubted the prophetic words, and the angel said, because of your unbelief, you will not speak until your babe son is born. We will pick up this story in verse 67 of Luke chapter 1, when Zechariah learns that his son is born. Can you please open your Bible, if you have your Bible with you? Just open in Luke chapter 1, otherwise you're going to have the words at the back. Before I read scriptures, I'd like to invite you to pray with me. Father God, we thank you for your presence this morning. We thank you for the wonder of Christmas. Lord, now we pray, bless your word. Father God, bless your word. Let your word not return to you empty, but let it accomplish what you desire and achieve your purposes for each one of us this morning, Lord. Let me be a vessel of good news and give us your understanding in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. His father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. To show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant. The oath he swore to our father Abraham. To rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear. In holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child, you will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he lived in the wilderness until he appeared public to Israel. After being silent for nine months, the very first words which came out of Zechariah's mouth were words of praise. It was words of worship. This is the song of salvation. Zechariah as a priest must have known by heart all the Old Testament prophecies regarding the coming of the Messiah the one who was expected to redeem and rescue his people from the enemies on whom their hopes for freedom were set. So I believe that during that enforced season of silence, the Holy Spirit revealed to Zechariah that the prophecies he had for so long treasured in his heart, they were about to be fulfilled in the coming of a baby. Not through his son, although his son would play a role in the coming of the Messiah, but the baby who was going to be born, it would be Jesus, Mary's baby. And as a result, we see in this text, Zechariah is filled with the Holy Spirit, and he starts to worship God and celebrate the might forthcoming salvation of God in Jesus Christ. I know salvation can be a broad term, and some of us might be quite familiar with it, but others, if you're exploring faith for the first time here, it might be a bit scary. What is salvation about? So I looked up on a 
theological dictionary, and I came up with a very simple translation for you. Salvation entails God's deliverance of humans from the power and effects of sin through the work of Jesus Christ, so that creation in general and humankind in particular can enjoy the fullness of life intended for what God has made. I will translate into my own words. So basically, God made, made the whole, you and I, he made humankind to enjoy the fullness of life he intended for us. On the other hand, sin brings destruction, separation, and death. In our sin, our relationship with God, with self, with one another, and with creation is broken. But I have good news. God has a plan. And God's salvation plan is holistic. It aims to restore our relationship with Him, with self, with one another, and ultimately with creation. But today, we will just unpack a few points about salvation that we can see in this text. So what does salvation mean to me, to my daily life today? What does it provide to me? God has come in Jesus. We see this in verse 68. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. God is not an abstract God who is intangible or hides himself. Not so. He has come. He has become flesh. He has come in the person of his son, Jesus Christ. We see in Hebrews 1, verse 3, the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Jesus is the exact representation of God, and he sustains all things by his word. God has come in Jesus to redeem and save us. So salvation starts with God, with his love for humankind. And we all know that verse John 3, 16 is one of the most well-known verses in the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only and one son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. It starts with God. And in this verse, praise be to God because God has come. The original in Greek means God has come in Greek means to look up, to look upon, to visit. It describes God visiting humankind in Jesus. So I'm sure when you have a guest at home, when you have a visitor, you don't leave your visitor outside in the rain. You wouldn't do that. You would open your door and invite your guest, your visitor to come. So that's exactly what humanity is expected to do. We are expected to open our lives and receive Jesus by faith because God has come in Jesus. The scripture says that those who receive Jesus and believe in his name, they, have, they are given the right to become children of God. So I have to tell you something. Not everybody's children of God. Don't be shocked. That's what scripture says. Those who receive Jesus and believe in his name, they are given the right to become children of God. So God clothes himself in humanity and comes to this earth to enact his salvation. 
He's a God who reaches out to us. He cares because he knows what it's like to be despised. He knows, he knows what it's like to be rejected by his family. He knows what it's like to be frustrated. He knows what it's like to be betrayed. He has felt the pain, the pain we all feel sometimes. He knows what it's all about, so he cares. And he's ready to embrace each one of us as we turn our hearts to him. God has come, and his salvation has provided forgiveness. Verse 77, God has come to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of sin. God, in his love and mercy, provides forgiveness of sins through Jesus Christ. We all know we mess up in life. That's not news. We make bad choices, but our bad choices do not push God away. On the contrary, His love covers our sins. His love covers our shame and guilt. 1 John 4.10 says, This is love, not that we loved God, but He loved us first and sent His Son for atoning of our sins. When we place our faith on the work of the cross, the Bible says that we are forgiven and cleansed from our iniquities. We are made pure before God. Desmond Tutu, a very well-known South African Archbishop and Nobel Peace Prize winner says, Forgiveness says you are given another chance to make a new beginning. I love that. Forgiveness says you are given another chance to make a new beginning. Forgiveness enables us to start afresh with God, with self, with one another, and ultimately with creation. We are forgiven so we can forgive too. And that's exactly what Jesus taught in the Lord's Prayer. He said, Father God in heaven, Please forgive our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. This is God's terms. He forgives us so that we can forgive others. I know it's not easy to forgive. It is hard. It is difficult. But we can, by God's grace, extend forgiveness to other people. And we do this out of faith, out of obedience and love for Jesus. Can I just point out at this point that faith lives above the natural realm. Faith is a spiritual activity. So when you step into faith, you open yourself to step into what God believes for you. So you, you don't have to wait until you feel like forgiving someone because your feelings will deceive you. And to be honest with you, that will never happen. It's very unlikely that we feel like forgiving someone. So we forgive by faith. And when we forgive, there is power in forgiveness because forgiveness releases us from bitterness and resentment and brings freedom and healing to our lives. In fact, forgiveness brings healing to the person who was offended. Somebody said, forgiveness does not change the past, but it does enlarge the future. And I like this thought. Your past cannot be changed. Of course, things happened, and there might be scars, and that's okay to have scars. They show the story of your life. And in fact, Jesus has scars right now in heaven. He has scars in his hands 
and on his feet. This is a proof how much he loved each one of us. Forgiveness releases hope, the hope of a new beginning. And I believe the Lord wants to release grace to us this morning. First, receive his forgiveness and to forgive others. Maybe you find yourself stuck in a cycle of bitterness, resentment, feelings of regret or failure. I read in a book recently a phrase that says, wage war daily against resentment and bitterness in your life. Wage war daily against resentment and bitterness in your life. And I like this because this is a call to action. This, this, this requires you to be proactive about your resentments and, and unforgiveness. You don't just sit there thinking about what people have done to you. You have to do something about it. Otherwise, all those things inside of you will poison your life. So we do something about it. And the only way to break the cycle of, of unforgiveness and resentment in our lives is by receiving God's forgiveness and extending forgiveness. And I truly feel the Lord wants us to know this morning that he has come to give us a life that is to be enjoyed in, in, in its fullness. When we are forgiven and forgive others, we find freedom, we find peace. I experienced this a few years ago when I went to Brazil and saw my dad for the last time. I've always resented a bit my dad because I'm only child and he was always very absent emotionally and sometimes physically. But we never had a chat about it. So five years ago, he was diagnosed with an illness and I decided to go to Brazil and I was praying that I wanted to have a chat with him. And even though he never asked forgiveness, I would say, Dad, I forgive you because I feel a void in my heart because you are not there for me. So God was so good. He prepared an opportunity for us to have that conversation. And I really said to him, I missed you. I missed that you were not there during my childhood years and teenager years. And he said, me too. And then I said, but I forgive you, and I believe we can start again. So we prayed for one another, and from that day on, I stayed with, with him two weeks more. And those two weeks were the, the days that I had the better conversations. My relationship with him just flourished in two weeks. Things we did together that we had never done it before the past three decades. Sadly, he passed away three months later unexpectedly, but I had that moment with him. The Lord allowed me to be with him, and the Lord, through forgiveness, healed our relationship. God has come to forgive our sins, to help us to forgive others, and to guide our feet into the path of peace. We have peace in Jesus. We have peace in Jesus. Peace with God, peace with self, peace with each other, and one day peace with creation. Jesus is the Prince of Peace, and without him it is impossible to attain unwavering peace. C.S. Lewis, the British writer and creator of the Chronicles of Narnia, I'm sure you know who he is, says, life with God is not immunity from difficulties, but peace in difficulties. And this is so real, isn't it? 
Life with God is not immunity from difficulties, but peace in difficulties. We all go through dark seasons. We have gone recently. Some of us are still going through a season of hardship, loss, pain. And Jesus knows that in this world we would have troubles. And he encourages us in John 16, take heart, I have overcome the world. Take heart, have faith in me, look at me, let me walk by your side, let me hold your hand, let me journey with you, let me be present in your pain. It is possible to have peace in the midst of the storm. And this peace translates into an inner assurance that we are not alone in our times of trouble. This peace comes from the presence of Jesus in our lives. It comes from abiding in him. Like Rob said a couple of weeks ago, that we have to spend time with God, reading our Bibles, praying, worshiping. We have to seek to infuse ourselves in his presence, to be soaked in his presence. Intimacy is the seedbed to grow a faith that leads to peace. Intimacy with God is the seedbed to grow a faith that leads to peace. And this morning, God invites you and I to step into his abiding peace through a personal relationship with Jesus. He's made a way for you and I to come closer. His salvation has provided all we need to be at peace with him, with ourselves, and with one another. Salvation is a gift. Fullness of life is a gift for you and I today. It came through Jesus Christ at Christmas and it comes every day. Jesus comes every day to our lives. Salvation is available to us every day. We were saved, we are being saved, and we will be saved. And we just need to say yes and receive it by faith. At this point, I'd love to give opportunity to those who perhaps have not said uh, yes to Jesus, yes, and I'm going to pray. And I, can I invite you just to bow your head so that we can give some privacy to those who would like to pray this prayer? And if you are someone here this morning feeling in your heart, yes, Lord, I want to say yes to you. I want to receive this gift of salvation. Just pray with me in your heart this prayer. Lord, thank you that you sent Jesus and you became a man in Jesus Christ. Thank you that through Jesus, I can have my sins forgiven. I can have a new start with you, Lord. And right now, I open my heart. I open my life. I receive you. I invite you to come, Jesus. Come and be my Lord and Savior. Come, Holy Spirit, and change me from the inside out. Help me. Teach me your ways. Help me to be a child of God. I give you my life to you. And I surrender my heart to you this morning. Thank you for the salvation you have provided. Thank you for the hope and the peace you have for me this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So as I lend my, my talk this morning, just before, I need to do something. Because my pastor always do, do that. I'm going to do as well. You can open your eyes. <laughs> and if you have prayed this prayer, can you please just signally to me and then... We can have a chat. Please come and grab us. 
either me or the guys in the front, let's just have a chat. But as I lend my talk this morning, I'd like you to leave this place knowing deep down within you and rejoice in the truth that God has come for you. And he has forgiveness, he has hope, he has a new beginning to impart into your life today.